Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Worldwide. In this podcast, I just go over some of the education and healthcare systems in place around the world and during these unique circumstances, I wanted to touch a little bit about the coronavirus situation and how each country is dealing with it. And today's episode, we will be talking about Ethiopia, the country located in Africa, and Honestly, I've always been fascinated with Ethiopia ever since I spent my summers watching the Olympics on TV and seeing, you know, a bunch of long distance runners winning gold medals or just some of the interesting facts like Ethiopia is known for, like they're the top honey and coffee producers in Africa and they're actually where the coffee bean originated. So I can thank my coffee addiction to Ethiopia. And I wanted to begin by talking about some of the education systems in Ethiopia. It's compulsory, and it is also mandatory between ages 7 to 12, which means, um, in general, these primary schools and primary education is, is, although the primary schools are more accessible and have a higher rate of enrollment, there tends to be a shortage of secondary education and enrollment declines at the secondary level. So Ethiopia actually has two education systems. The first is the traditional system, and this is rooted in Christianity and Islam. But the second system is a more modern system of education, and it's established through primary and secondary education levels, kind of similar to what we have in America and um, similar to the other countries I've discussed in my previous episodes. And the modern system of education in Ethiopia is more popular, of course, and more spread out um, among the nation, but this includes the College of Liberal Arts, Technology, Public Health, all of these colleges, and with the modern system of education, it's free at all levels, and it's offered, and it's also... And another slight issue with education in Ethiopia, literacy rates are actually much lower than the world average in Ethiopia, and some statistics behind this are that half of the male population in Ethiopia is literate, so 50% fairly accessible, and this is a major reason why there's actually a very high rate of enrollment in Ethiopia for primary school and for modern education. However, and some of the reasons for this, if you look closer into the systems in place, is that the public school system has kind of deteriorated in Ethiopia just because of the lack of funding and teaching staff, facilities, and space. Space is honestly one of the biggest issues because overcrowding tends to be really common. And also, it becomes hard for children in distant or remote areas to find a nearby school, and transportation is always difficult. That is quite low. Um, The literacy population should be higher. And unfortunately, about one-third of the female population is literate, which is even lower. And sadly, um, the Global Gender Gap Report ranks Ethiopia at 121 out of 134 countries with regards to gender disparities so this is obviously a very bad thing meaning um, women and girls in Ethiopia are 
strongly, strongly disadvantaged compared to boys and men. And this just includes with literacy, like education, like I've been talking about, also health, and just basic human rights. This actually reminds me a lot of um, the first episode I did on India, how gender inequality is quite relevant still. And it affects not only just the literacy rates, but just the way that women and men are looked at and treated in the country. And also, some of the education systems in Ethiopia remains underdeveloped just due to like low participation rates, low enrollment rates, and some problems with quality. And this can be most likely due to the lack of economic development that Ethiopia has had for decades. But on the bright side, it is improving. So it went from 10 million learners a decade ago to over 25 million learners or children enrolled in school today, which is really substantial and a good improvement. And if we want to look at how we can help the situation or just improve education in general with Ethiopia, so some organizations are looking to equip schools with more teaching material and equipment and also just enhance the educational management and leadership skills for these universities and schools and obviously build more schools because there seems to be a lack of those in Ethiopia as well as looking more into organizations like UNICEF. I tend to talk about UNICEF a lot, but their website was saying how UNICEF is actually investing in teachers through a program called Assessment for Learning, and I'll have the link in the description below, but they're a very trustworthy organization that looks to improve the education system improve the quality of teaching, improve the enrollment rates, the literacy rates, and so much more. So I highly recommend clicking the link in the description or just even reading about it or donating if you can. Anything will help. And now I wanted to talk about healthcare in Ethiopia, my favorite. So Ethiopia is actually one of Africa's poorest states with 45% of the population living below the poverty line. And to put things in perspective, there is about 70 million people living in Ethiopia, so that is that means about like 30 million people are living under the poverty line. And about three-fourths of the population, 75% of the population, lack access to clean water, and four-fifths of the population live without proper sanitation. And some of the crises that have affected Ethiopia in the past and continue to do so are the consistent droughts, epidemics, pandemics now with the coronavirus, as well as some conflicts. And if we look at health concerns, the major ones that seem to consistently overtake Ethiopia include maternal mortality, tuberculosis, and HIV and AIDS. And the problem is with these three health concerns, um, the limited number of health institutions and the inefficient distribution of medical supplies, as well as the disparity between rural and urban areas, makes improvements really, really difficult. So in other words, there's not that many hospitals, there's really um, 
a big difference between the healthcare and the workers in urban areas like Addis Ababa, the capital, and more remote areas across the country. So it makes um, people suffering from, like, say, HIV or AIDS to not be able to get the treatment that they need to make improvements. And it's just holding the country back in terms of these health concerns. Also, Ethiopia's healthcare system includes primary health centers, clinics, and hospitals. But like I was saying before, only major, major cities have hospitals. So Addis Ababa, the capital, has quite a few hospitals with full-time physicians. But the access to modern healthcare is really limited. And there continues to be a very high infant mortality rate. Also, most health facilities in Ethiopia are actually government-owned rather than private-owned, and the scale of output is not able to match the rising demand. There seems to be more patients and more um, people with health concerns, but not enough officials or workers to help treat them. But medical schools in Ethiopia are continuing to produce general practitioners and specialists to help make up for this disproportionate scale. So I wanted to go over a little bit about the coronavirus in Ethiopia. As of right now, there are confirmed to be 7,766 cases in Ethiopia of the coronavirus and 2,430 of the confirmed cases have recovered and there have been 128 deaths so far. This is considerably low in comparison to the United States, India, and essentially every other country I've talked about. So that is good news for sure. And a funny story, or not funny, but a, an interesting story I read recently. There's actually a man who in Ethiopia was tested positive for coronavirus and he doesn't have a birth certificate so no one knows his true age but it's that it was extremely hopeful news because shows like even though age is definitely a factor in pre-existing conditions can affect the rate at which you recover from the virus you know it's not the only thing and anything is possible so it's just a unique story that I found really, really interesting. So I wanted to share that. But his family claims that he's 114 years old. But of course, the health officials and the doctors are estimating him to be about 109 years. But keep in mind, if in the chance that he is 114 years old, that would make him the oldest person alive. Um, but either way, this man, after testing positive, after only four days, and he was on oxygen, I believe, in the hospital for one of the four days, he survived the coronavirus, and that's it, it gave hope for a lot of people, and I saw it on the news, and it was, but in general, after looking into Ethiopia, I found it really interesting. The country, although many see it as a very poverty-struck nation with a lot of issues, it really is is improving and I'm hopeful that it will continue to improve and not only with education but also hopefully gender inequality and that women and men can um, that women and men will at one point be treated equally and receive the same 
opportunities in life and I'm definitely I'm definitely optimistic about that so Ethiopia has some issues with the education system in terms of literacy rate and some issues with healthcare, of course, like every nation because of the lack of hospitals and uh, physicians, but access is continuing to improve and education is improving. So, so we should continue to be hopeful. And like I said before, if you can, please check out UNICEF and donate if you can, or even just reading about the other countries I've talked about, like India, Yemen, and Brazil, all of that will help. And like I always say, knowledge is the power to cause action. That's why I started this podcast. So please look into it if you can. And I hope you join me for episode five. Thank you.